Bad Cat Audio. Hi, and welcome to the Take What You Need podcast. This episode highlights Adria Moses, the impeccable, powerful, and sisterly presence on Instagram. Um, as where I found her, I was sharing a lot of her work and her writings, her teachings, her message on Black Magic Woman. And she was the first um, guest that we've had that wasn't like an, a direct mutual. So I had to really like step my game up to woo someone that I am such a fan of. And with, by the grace of God, she said yes. <laughs> and with this conversation, it was so powerful and meaningful and moved me to tears. It really did. And I'm so excited for you guys to be able to indulge and hear more about the one woman show behind the, the powerful messaging and beautiful spoken word. She is a presence and a force, a gentle, a sweetheart and a soldier. And we're so lucky for her to be on this podcast. So with that, I invite you to get into a nice, comfortable seated position. You can soften your gaze or close your eyes. There is no right or wrong way to show up in this moment. Take a deep breath in the nose. And let it out with a sigh through the mouth. And I invite you to come as you are and take what you need. space today. You are such a guiding light of wisdom for me on Black Magic Woman and beyond the platform. I've been a fan before we became mutuals and I've just seen you spread your wisdom and grow this incredible platform and share and so in such an unapologetic way. It is like such an honor to get to be in community with you. Thank you so much for gracing us on the Take What You Need podcast today with your goddess energy. We are so, like, not worthy. <laughs> so are worthy. That's the thing. That's why we're here. So thank you for, for having me. I appreciate you for making space for me. Always, always. Yeah, you have been such a guiding light of wisdom and just the way that you share and you're so honest and so vulnerable with so many people and you still also hold such an incredible identity and like there's still like a level I feel like of like maybe separation or like mystery almost which I love because you you only give what you can give you know but you give a lot so (laughs) absolutely How, how do you balance that how do you balance pouring as much wisdom as you do but also maintaining this kind of level of mystery while having such a big platform yeah it's it's interesting and I that I ask myself that question <laughs> a lot um one I would I want to say like the the sharing and what comes up in me is very like innate and mm-hmm. when I started sharing like 
on Twitter like 10, 11 years ago mm-hmm. when it was really like the thing to do was like to tweet. Mm-hmm. It was my digital journal. So mm-hmm. I was journaling in real journals, but you know, just like getting off like those one-off thoughts, those, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'd be going through things and I would just have, they're like Psalms or like Proverbs for myself, mm-hmm. you know, and just getting them off. And I reflect on where I was 10 years ago when I started doing that. And I was really struggling with my chronic illness. And so mm-hmm. the internet for me was like a safe place. It was a place where I expressed myself. So it's very, very natural Mm -hmm. for me so it feels like you're not the only one who has said like man you give so much Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like I'm giving so much because Mm -hmm. it's 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 for me they're like notes to sell but other people tend to benefit from it and the the mystery part I think just comes from um not having the energy to share it all uh, my my friends and my family would say like the one thing off of social media that probably comes out is like my playfulness. Yeah. Um, I'm a little more playful in in real life and yeah. not so serious as as the stuff I be talking on there. Sure. Um, but I'm also talking that that stuff. So I think it's just like a it's the humanness of like being online and understanding that being online is only a fraction of our humanity. Yeah. It's essential. Um, but it's just a fraction. Yeah. It doesn't take a lot of effort. I, I'm not even going to front Lexi. It doesn't take yeah. too much effort. That's good. That's. I mean, we're lucky and we get to benefit from that. It doesn't pull from you too much because it's, I mean, I've always just seen your content naturally, like from the beginning of Black Magic Woman starting and it's just a lot. It's a lot of wisdom floating around on your page. And I was like, like when you see it, I think in, um, in completion or if you see it all together when you really look at everything you're like oh my god that girl's really cranking it out over there (laughs) which you are but it's so nice to know that it doesn't like pull from you in a way that it's like detrimental to you you know and I don't think it would ever get to that place I don't think you would ever let it get to that place yeah you know I think even like with with your platform as well it's we're not really creating content we're I don't even, sometimes I'm lost for the words of what it is. It's like, mm-hmm. I get these downloads mm-hmm. and I have to output them. Mm-hmm. And I could put them in a journal. I could, you know, I'm going to, I could write it in a book and I'll produce a book. And yeah. I could do all these things. But honestly, like going right to the source yeah. is just, it's like, it doesn't even feel like it's, yeah. it's content. Someone asked me like, do you like um, plan your content and like use Hootsuite and stuff like that? I'm like, no, this has been real time like something I could experience something I could be inspired by something I could be going through my own shit excuse my language Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. we going through my own stuff (laughs) and it's just in real time and I love it it's like it's very organic yeah very very for sure yeah I love the intention of just like this is a place to put it because that was my intent for Black Magic Woman, too. It's like I had all these feelings, and I was just like, I just need a place to put these things. Like, that's all it really was, is like, I just need to put it somewhere. Exactly. And also, you can curse on this podcast. Be, be okay, free. Be free. Yeah. <laughs> be free. Sometimes I don't even have other words. I'm like, okay, shit is the only <laughs> word that I sound right. This, this was <laughs> the, the right word. It is fine. <laughs> I'm curious to know, because I see you as magic. When did you know that you were magic? Take us back to younger baby days. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
Oh my goodness. Well, you know, there have been like um, milestones in my life that look yeah. a little bit different from, um, I think what we know of a lot of people. I know I'm not the only one who has endured yeah. the things I've endured. Um, and reflecting on like my childhood, like I always say like, um, and it's it just happens, the acronyms just happen to work out, BC and AC, okay? okay. So before Crohn's disease, because I have an autoimmune yeah. um, disease, a chronic illness that I was yeah. diagnosed with when I was 12 years old. Mm. Um, so I was still a little girl. And then there's the after Crohn's and mm. who I was after that diagnosis, because it was a totally different little human. Mm. Um, but before the Crohn's, and my mom always describes me, and I remember very fondly I have a lot of moxie you know very mm -hmm. like um gregarious very mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. intuitive my my dad would always say like anytime there was anything lost in the house he would just ask me to go find it and I could locate and find anything and it'd be in the most conspicuous places like why is it that I can find something in the back of a closet that I've never even been in but I know that it's there like very strange little things like that and had a lot of like sensitivity to yeah. me um so even when I was younger and, and maybe because it was it was kind of observed in me I knew that something in me was a little bit maybe I didn't identify it as magic but something was just there and getting diagnosed with Crohn's disease I think is what and at the time when I was 12, I didn't think it was magic. I thought it was going to yeah. be like my my downfall. And yeah. like I didn't understand what it meant. Right. But it increased my sensitivities. It it heightened my awareness because I had to be so vigilant around yes. caring for myself. And I, I suffered and I struggled with that illness. Mm. Um, and I, I, I live with the illness now. But at that time, I struggled. Mm. And over time... Um, I tried to adjust to it, but I just couldn't. And when you ask me that question of when did I know I was magic, my true answer is when I survived my surgery, mm -hmm. um, which I was not. The odds were 100% against me. I had a surgery when I was 19 yeah. years old, seven years after my diagnosis, and my um, my bowel, my small intestine split open. Mm. I woke up one morning and and I began to literally lose my life and I was yeah. hospitalized. Yeah. I was put on life support okay. and I survived and I had an open wound and um, surviving that mm -hmm. is what made me realize like, oh, not just like I'm meant to be here and I have right. purpose because a lot of people go through things sure. and they don't feel purposeful afterwards. No. They it almost broke me. It almost yeah. took me out the game. Yeah. But I remember, and that was 10 years ago when I started yeah. talking my, talking my mess, talking, <laughs> saying what I really felt because I had seen things and endured things. I was hospitalized for 60 days. Mm. Um, every odd was against me. I went into septic shock. The, mm. the percentage of people that survived that is very low. Mm. And I fought for my life. I remember fighting for it. Like mm. I remember not not wanting to give up in the midst of not even being able to breathe on my own. Like there's yeah. just a, a, it was spirit. And I yeah. think that's when my magic was like ignited. It's like, okay, yeah. all of that suffering for those seven years was nothing compared to what that time in my life did for me. And a lot of people, they know my scar, like from the social yeah, media and some sure. people don't even know. Yeah. 
they don't even know they're like just like this girl talks a lot of a lot of good stuff but it's coming from a place of experience of of enduring and and that midnight hour of like okay and being very lonely and without your health and just truly relying on spirit literally Mm -hmm. mind body soul water food everything and that's when i knew i was like okay all right i might be i might be you know capable of more than i thought you know so absolutely that's what comes to my mind yes i really commend you for that fighting spirit because it's not so often that we are faced with like life or death decisions and it's not often that people want to choose life and fight for it like that you know sometimes it seems like the easier route to just be like yeah i'll just take a break i'm just gonna sit this one out i'm just gonna yeah and i've been there too i've been there too like you know what i don't know if i want to do this i don't know if i actually want to be here i've also been there um but like that fight is um it's a choice in a lot of ways it is a choice it is a choice and i i speak for so many when i say thank you for fighting for your life and being here today and getting to share your tale and you know I don't know. It's just like there's this lightness about you that I've always really enjoyed. And that's like we've really started to get to know each other on this like like personal way in like very short weeks. But it's like there's this lightness about you and this like effortlessness that I like see in you. And it's I just like how 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 <laughs> I want to take notes. It just feels like you're just showing up in fullness. And it's so I know there's no like guidebook for it, but like, where do you find that power to fight or that effortlessness that you so just beautifully embody in your journey? Yeah, I I get that question a lot. Um, Good. <laughs> sometimes I don't know where it comes from. I'm gonna be very honest. Sometimes I'm like, uh, but I have to, you know, and and I know you can relate to this, like. Our ancestors, like I imagine my ancestors to have been um, ruthless. Yes. And there is a resilience in in the bloodline that Mm. um, shows itself. I look and I see them and I I reflect on like, oh, I'm probably, you know, family members that I've lost that I was really close to when I was little, like my aunt, um, Aunt Teresa in particular, like I evoke her spirit Mm. because although she lost her life um in her in her 50s Mm. there was just something about her that i felt so safe in her comfort and i do feel like a lot of what i'm relying on Mm -hmm. ain't even me it's like it is ancestral spirit carrying me and the more i evoke it the more i write and Mm -hmm. i cast these spells Mm -hmm. and i use my words the stronger that that Mm -hmm. becomes so a lot of times when people are like where is it coming from? Like, how are you doing this? Like one of my friends the other day was like, give me whatever you got. And I'm like, it's obedience. It's obedience and it's faith and it's trust that, you know, and it, and, and it's the trust comes from enduring and seeing the light yes. and then yes. going back into the dark and then seeing the light. It's like really believing that that's yeah. real. But I rely a lot on spirit. I rely a lot on the things I cannot see. Yes. And some people think like, you know, it's easier to be faithless. It mm-hmm. takes a lot of work to be faithful. Like it's labor in a lot of ways. So yes. 
I rely on on those that came before me because they are the reason that I'm here. Mm -hmm. And I may not have ever seen them and I may not know their name, but I feel like so connected. And so I rely deeply on that. And surviving kind of offered me like a second life. And I always tell people that I'm kind of living my life in reverse where my struggle happened really early on. And I don't plan on struggling much after after that like no matter no matter how long i live for it's like my struggle already occurred so now it's like it's my chance now to just live in light in ease Mm -hmm. um even when things are hard it's like oh i've already i've seen my rock bottom yeah so i'm like it can't get worse than that so what's really good (laughs) that's how it feels you know he said, Miley, what's good? Yeah. Literally. <laughs> Miley, what's good? I, absolutely. I love that so much because it really does give you that sense of like, I'm here to do this. And it is a choice. It really is a cognitive choice. And it cre- and there's effort to that. There's effort to creating a life of ease and realizing like, okay, I've done that. I've done that. Have you seen the movie Big Fish? It's an older movie. Who was in it? Um, Ewan McGregor. I don't know that. Okay, one. so he okay, he sees it's so it's one of my favorites, but he sees in the witch's eye how he dies when he's like a little kid, right? And so he lives knowing how he dies, and he gets put into all of these situations. He's like wrapped up in this tree, and he realizes he's like, and he's wrapped up in this tree, and all these things are happening, and he goes, wait, and he thinks he's gonna die, right? And he's like, wait this isn't how I die. And the tree just drops him out. And he's like, yeah, that's not it. I'm going to keep moving forward with my life. And it's like so similar to this idea of like, I've been there. I've seen it. I know I've been a part of that rhythm. I've seen the light again. I've been a part of the rhythm and I've seen the light again. And it's like that beautiful, delicate dance. But now you, you're choosing and that effort that you're putting forth is, you know, I think really what speaks to your power. That that just blessed me. I love that. That's exactly right. Yeah. Like I, you know, I know I'm supposed to be here, and a lot yes. of people, it, it's it sucks that like we have to suffer a little bit to yeah. to know that. And I wouldn't, that, yeah. I wouldn't wish that for anyone. And it's a blessing for me because I know, I know, right now I'm supposed to be here because there was a time where I thought it was the end, right? And it got really really close. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay. Yeah. So I, I move with that energy. I, yes. I hold that every day. And I have the scar to remind me yeah. every day. Yeah. Just just so you remember, like, yeah. and to live, yeah, in, in as much fullness as I can as I can provide. It hasn't always been this. It hasn't yeah. always been life, yeah. ease, of course, yeah. you know. Yeah. You know how life gets. But it's, um, it's a blessing. I have to watch that. Yes. That it's, it's so oh. magical and mystical and, like, it's something I've carried with me like as my favorite movie for many, many years. I I love this also idea of this reminder because I often reflect in my healing journey and I remember there are points in my life where I was so, you're just like so down, you're so dark and it's just so like there is just no way out and you just kind of have to wade your way through that. And it wasn't until upon like further reflection having moved through that moment where I was like, I lived past that. And it was like this like aha moment for me to be like, oh, 
I overcame that. I moved past that. You live past this day. You know what I mean? I didn't think I was going to in that moment to say like I lived past that. That that just small tweak of perspective makes me again realize like I'm in the tree. I'm crawling in the tree and all of a sudden the tree branches drop me and I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) okay, (laughs) let me keep moving on this path. Yeah, (laughs) I love that. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And I I find with this healing energy and just like turning your like pain into purpose and these reminders of like, okay, I've suffered, I've gone. It really creates this like multifacetedness of how we can be in humans. There's like so much bending and there's so much breaking and there's so much flexibility that we need to have. Like, do you, I mean, was that something you just like had to work at? And I'm sure like you've seen other people like do this and create this, but like, is that something that you've been like, I really need to like, for my survival, I need to be able to bend. Yeah. I didn't see enough people doing it, I would Mm. say. I think I see more people now than I did then. Okay. And I always tell people like, I'm a sweetheart and I'm a soldier. Yes. Those two identities and then every identity in between, um, I had to really tend to each of them. They each they each required my attention individually. Yes. Um, I think it's so funny that you just brought up the bending because after my surgery, I was I was going to church a lot. Like you know, I was like, God keep me here. Like I was just going through it up and down. I'm not I'm not as religious as I used to be at all. Yeah. Um, but I was in the church a lot, and I remember um, there was a prophetess there, and mm-hmm. she. And she read over me and she was like, um, you're like bamboo. Mm. She's like, you're, you're going to bend, but you're never going to break. And you're going to be a healing force for your family. I didn't under, I didn't know what bamboo was at that mm. time. So I mm-hmm. was like, what does bamboo be doing? Yeah. <laughs> and I think everyone and anyone needs to just read up on bamboo because it gets planted and then it doesn't sprout for years. Mm. And then once it does sprout, it reaches like 80 feet. Wow. Um, off jump okay not because it's being it's growing underground yeah so you know it's it's already it's getting its roots its length its flexibility and then it's used to build things right because Mm -hmm. it's so strong Mm -hmm. and I think um tending to the idea that like I'm probably gonna bend a lot yeah um but also like not becoming rigid and I and there's so many aspects of of bending that came up in my life like becoming a yoga teacher and yes getting into my body and the identity around like yeah being a soldier like being wounded and and that question is a very unique question to me because I feel like um we're reclaiming so much all the time and I had to really reclaim things that weren't a part of society like there's not really a there's not a lot of spaces for people that like see death and then are walking are walking amongst us which are a lot of people like it's not uncommon a lot of people go through life-threatening things but just embracing the identities that weren't status quo right and were outside of how I looked and how I showed up so um I don't even know if I'm I'm answering that question precisely but those are the things that come up in my spirit when asking that Absolutely. I mean, it just speaks to 
I don't know, like that trailblazer like energy, I guess. So like an unknowing trailblazer in a way, because it's like you're creating what is not seen and you're having to like trial and error your way into identity of with no example. And I find that like that resilience is created and there's like these maybe not even words to ways of like experiences showing up and you're like, I don't even know what this is, but like I have to do that this way. <laughs> like no guidebook, no no mentor, just me trying it out. And I think that's like so powerful and like, and it really does like maybe we don't give ourselves enough credit for being able to say and acknowledge like, yeah, I did that and I didn't even know I was doing it and I didn't realize what I was doing and I didn't see anybody else doing that before. And it's so, so like go me a little bit, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and it's in I I think that's why it was so important to like reveal yeah. myself yeah. to a certain extent of like I know I'm not the only one. Yeah. And beyond that, I get so many messages on a weekly basis around how my words are just carrying people and yeah. how, you know, I you know, I get DMs like, I have that same scar, like I have a scar and I never saw that. I never saw anyone embracing. And we live in a very, like, again, like, white-centered world, like, standardized world where, like, the body has to be like this and that and the third. And, um, you know, and and your spiritual practice should look like this and that and the third. And it's like, really, we're, we're so individuals and we're so communal, right? We need to see each other. Um, in our truths truly and I feel like that's why I started to and revealing myself was also in efforts to reclaim what I had lost it was like a it was my it was my me tending to my ego it was not it was like I need to take care of my ego because my ego got crushed by the the things that you know changed that had to change and from from the physical to the mental to the emotional and so I I came out of hiding because I was like it was the only way I felt like my ego um could feel safe or to heal and I'm I'm never to speak to that because we all have the ego you know what I'm saying of course yeah yeah I I love that so much and I think approaching the ego in a sense of like it also has its needs it also needs to be tended to it's not something to ignore it's something to make peace with and to you know like find there's balance within it all there's balance within it all and again tying into this idea of like one lane spirituality or one lane ideals of what you know eurocentric beauty standard and la da 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 and like stepping into the space as someone that doesn't look like everybody else is looking like showing up with what we have and like finding tenderness in that is huge and it's it's your survival makes room for other people's survival you know what i mean and like you being like i can do this too so can you <laughs> like we're doing it it matters it matters for sure you mentioned your yoga journey. I want to hear more about that. Tell me more, please. I love sharing my yoga journey because I, again, we just need more relatable stories, okay? Yep. Because it's yep. not all peaches and cream. Um, I still, my body, I've been practicing yoga for, again, yeah, nine years. And I my body still is like, please don't put me in that position. My body. <laughs> so, um, 
I got diagnosed with Crohn's when I was 12. So by the time I actually experienced yoga, I had Crohn's for about five to six okay. years. It was right before my surgery. I took my first yoga class. And I couldn't touch my toes. Because one thing about chronic pain, it's going to yeah. build up in you. I was just, I was going through it as a young teenager. And I couldn't touch my toes. And mm -hmm. they were like, let go and relax. And I'm like, let go of what? Like, relax for what? I just... <laughs> I loathed it. I was like, this is some BS. I was like, this is some BS. And I did not like it. And then I went through my surgery. And once I recovered, it was about a year after um, my wound was just closing up. Okay. I was, um, my mental health was plummeting. I was just not in a good place. Yeah. And everyone around me was like, you should do yoga. Like everyone was like, keeps bringing up this yoga thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, whatever, y'all. I'll do it. I didn't have anything to lose. I was like, at this point, I'll try anything just to keep me here. Right. And um, I just Googled the closest yoga studio near me. Now, I'm from a small city uh, outside of Detroit called Inkster. And um, you don't learn nothing about that coming from where I'm from. You don't. I thought there was one yoga. I thought it was just yoga, period. Right. <laughs> I signed up. I get to the studio. I go into the room, and it's hot. It's hot as hell. <laughs> I'm like, why? Do I feel like I'm in Vegas right now? Like, what is this? And I come out and I'm looking around and it's, it's, I knew what I, I knew the name of the yoga, but I didn't know what it meant. It was yeah. Bikram yoga. Bikram. Oh, so anyone that knows anything about Bikram yoga, it's a 105 degree room, right. 90 minute practice, oh. 26 postures done twice. No. My little self, my wound had just, was just closing <laughs> the scar. And I was there and I was like, okay. And I could barely like the breathing yeah. that you have to do in 105 yeah. degrees. Um, and it was 90 minutes. I think I got to like the 85th minute and I had yeah. to leave. Yeah. The I got yeah. through that class. Yeah. And when I tell you um, it lit something up in me yes. that uh, I thought I had lost, mm -hmm. it, it did something to me. I, it wasn't even about what the instructor was saying. In a Bikram yoga studio, there's mirrors all around. Yeah. You can see yourself. You can yeah. like see how you're bending and how strong you are. And I kept going back. Yeah. And um, I, I showed my scar for the first time in the yoga room. Mm -hmm. It was the first time I, un, I exposed myself to myself after mm. everything I went through. And I was like, uh other people need to know about this my community doesn't know enough about whatever this practice is so i shouldn't have been doing this but i started teaching yoga demos at this wellness center and i didn't have no certification i didn't know what i was doing but i was like i got these six postures that i remember and i'm just gonna teach it to these people um that was 2014 that was back in 2014 and I was so serious about these demos that I was dropping off flyers yeah. at colleges around the center that I was yeah. teaching these these few postures at. Yeah. No heated room, no nothing. We yeah. just out here bending. And I'm like, I didn't know what I was doing. Yes. Two years later, um, I, I stayed with the practice. Two years later, um, you know, I, I was on disability. I wasn't working. I was working sure. under the table, doing home care, cleaning people's houses. Right. And um, the practice was just it was like the thing I stayed most consistent with mm -hmm. and so I just I just kind of talked talked to myself and I was like huh how can you stay obligated to this practice like what would that look like mm. in 2016 I decided to become it I got my certification mm -hmm. and um that became my career it became my work it became mm. 
and it's only evolved over time. Um, And I look back now, I'm like, wow, it's been seven to eight years of teaching this, but also like learning along the way what the yoga was doing for me as a traumatized person. Mm. Um, So the journey didn't, it didn't end there. It was like 2016, I became a teacher. 2018, I was asked to create a yoga program Mm. um, here in Detroit for a nonprofit. But their ask of me was to become trauma informed. And that is what has catapulted so much of my work um, Mm. at the School of Radical Healing. Um, And becoming trauma-informed taught me what yoga was doing for me in that hot room. What yoga was, it was keeping me. It was, and beyond anything, it was getting me back into my body. It was in yoga, literally to yoke, to connect. I think like um, beyond the Western um, approach, for folks who have experienced a lot of trauma, mm-hmm. if it's accessible physically, mm-hmm. yoga can be so medicinal. Mm-hmm. And it was that for me. And I've just stayed, I just have stayed with this practice and I love it. And, you know, it's been a, a beautiful journey that I did not anticipate when I was 17, 18. And I was like, F this practice. Like these people tell me to let go. Like, what are y'all even talking about? Life is happening. And now there's just, it's so much freedom in my practice and, and I love it. So the journey has been a, a, a unique one and it's yes. evolved. I look forward to the next 10 years of practice yes. for sure. 10, yeah. 20, 30, 40 years. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, I think I like this. I yeah. That's so, okay. yes, it's just like a taste of like pleasure almost like to just like have like this brings me pleasure when you were talking and saying like you went to Bikram yoga for the first time I was imagining like pottery pottery in a kiln getting glazed and that's what you were doing I was like and that's exactly right I I I saw you know it's interesting like trauma literally fragments us it disconnects us on so many levels Severe trauma, especially it's like, it's, it's different, you know, and I, I was living with, you know, I was developing the PTSD over time and, mm-hmm. and that moment in my life definitely did me in, but the, you bringing up the ceramics and the pottery, mm-hmm. it's like, I took so many different forms mm-hmm. since I started and I contribute a lot of my healing to that body based practice. It's not for everyone. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend now knowing what I know um, from a trauma-informed perspective, but body-based interventions for me and what we know now, like um, in healing, is like they're necessary. For some people, it might be dancing. For other people, it might be you know like cycling or or whatever it is, just to feel your living body again. Mm -hmm. And that's what yoga did for me. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it definitely. It got me together for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It was like you were gonna get this glaze. You were gonna get yep. this glaze. <laughs> yeah, and it did. I think. Yeah, I absolutely agree with this idea of like moving the physical body and just like become like remembering that we are a physical body because like it's so real. Also, to be like. I'm not working out. I don't want to work. I don't like personally. I don't like working out. I I don't enjoy that. That does not like spark joy in me. It makes me I'm already very tired. I don't want to do it. But like, there is 
truth to this component of remembering the like the movement of your body and the expression in your body and like letting things loose but it's also finding the right thing though which is so crucial it's crucial and and to your point like this is why like we 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 ought to rely so much on our ancestors because there was no like gym you know like my ancestors (laughs) weren't in the gym okay no shade to the gym I like to go to the gym once in a while sure but the thing about working out right and also this idea that like oh the body is just like this physical thing that's going to go into the ground there's truth to that there's so much truth to that and think about the world we live in and how it has treated the body mm-hmm. and how it treats bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we're, we're people, like there's a spirit in this body. This yeah. body it emotes and animates and can move um, with if, if there's the privilege, right? And so finding that movement right. practice, um, I like to revert more to like a, more like a primitive practice like just to make the walking right swinging my arms um dancing yoga yoga has been around for a long time and so kind of reverting back um again especially when we're healing i feel like it's very hard to put yourself into a box or even a routine Mm -hmm. um as much as you know people promote it and i'm all for it if that's how your brain works and that's what you need Right. But for healing, I feel like you got to get a little bit creative. You yes. got to get a little bit playful and childish and yes. you kind of got to revert back to things. Yes. You know? Yes. I love this idea also of moving the body, like you said, in this like primitive way. And it's also so real when you're like, why are they yelling at me to let shit go or to relax myself? Like going into a room of just like people you don't know and like they're like full body breath let it out and you're like no (laughs) I don't want to do that (laughs) this isn't safe (laughs) I feel feel like safety plays a big part in that but I also respect the humanity of being like shut the hell up (laughs) you don't know what the the thing about it you know and because I I, now I teach the yoga sure 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 The meditation and the approach, you know, the trauma-informed approach, which is like what I'm so passionate about. It's it's the roots and the foundation at the School of Radical Healing is this idea that um, language plays such a big role in cultivating mm-hmm. safety. So, you know, I, I don't even think I've, I don't think in a class I've ever told anyone to let go necessarily, um, but there is a, a there's a encouragement mm-hmm for mm-hmm. um release yes and I think that back then right because that, that was a, that was a good a good amount of years ago sure we just don't know what we know now about right. about each other where yes. it's like you know how can I cultivate safety so that people can let go yes right yes. Um, asking, you know and, and it's all it's all it's not black and white I don't right. want to you know I want to I try to be mindful as well of like okay in some places, maybe that that works, and they yes. do say that the issues are in the tissues. And so I always, I'm always looking like I want my my students and my clients to have a release, but I want them to have that release within their own agency and on their own time. Yes. And so I'm always just um, facilitating 
the modality itself yeah. that might foster the environment for someone to let go. Right. right? Um, but I agree with you. Like I, and I reflect on that time in my, in my life also just where I was, I just yeah. wasn't younger. And I was like, I don't really get it, you know? Yeah. And uh, it, it's, it's a unique, um, I don't know, experience when you are like trying to recover and you're using yoga or maybe mindfulness in yeah. order to do be really careful because yeah. there's a lot of this westernized mm -hmm. standard mm -hmm. a lot of people teaching it are privileged mm -hmm. they have no you know, no worries in the world of course they can let go yeah um, yeah it's yeah you're like there's a place of ease for you to do that and good for you yeah <laughs> and good for them exactly good for them <laughs> i find there's a lot of softness to the way you've cultivated and the way you've shown up and the way that you create space for those for your clients for your for your people for the people that show up in your yoga space and for the foundation of radical wellness and healing tell me more about your journey to softness at this point in your life Ooh, um i feel like i'm just arriving <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i feel like i'm just arriving at what it means to be soft, um, because so much of survival requires um, you to be rigid, yeah. for you to be a little. And when I say survival, I'm not talking about like, I'm talking about really, really making it out of the trenches, yeah. okay? Yeah. The, the lowest, lowest points that, uh, you know, that I felt I could go through. So yeah. the journey has been um, radically it's taken a lot of radical accountability, mm. taking a lot of uh, people telling me about myself, because I'll be honest with you, um, especially after I got sick, like when I was about when I was 12, yeah. I, bec I became the opposite of soft because mm. it was what I, I thought I thought I had to do, but also what was what it was like demanded of me to be hard. And that's why I say like I'm I'm a soldier but I'm a sweetheart but the soldier come first. And mm. the fact of the matter is is like I and I wrote something and I'm pretty sure um Black Magic Woman reposted it. Mm -hmm. But I wrote like I'm so proud of who I used to be. Mm -hmm. She did everything she could with what she knew. A fighter, never give her upper, all rounds tight. Now I'm regulating her, moving her into ease, into softness, mm -hmm. because she doesn't have to do that anymore. Right. And so there's something that it's gradual. I think yeah. that um, the soft life isn't just like the next day you wake up and you're right. good. It's a right. gradual. It's like coming from the top of a hill and you're you don't want to run down that hill too fast. or you are going to start to roll and, yeah. and and spiral down that hill? It's been a very gradual process. Yeah. Um, and you know what it makes me think of where my brain is going right now it's like even with my when my wound was healing it was like we packed the wound for a long time mm -hmm. then the wound turned into into a scar mm -hmm. but you you still have to mobilize that scar mm -hmm. or you're going to have other problems right so yeah. i still had to stretch that scar i had to keep that scar soft with like oils and things so that yeah. i had um mobility yeah and i look at that within myself mm. like oh, I have to keep going back to these wounds that yeah. have hardened me mm. so that they can become softer yeah. 
and I have to listen to what people around me are that love me are seeing in me and uh, and what comes to my mind is like after this is what I was saying after my diagnosis like you couldn't touch me with a 10-foot pole right like I just had the worst attitude um very 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 hard and I suffered you suffer a little bit more when you're harder because it's um restrictive it restricts you Mm -hmm. and you don't get to experience as much and I attribute a lot of my softness to the people around me who stuck stuck with me yes through it yeah they and and were soft with me Mm -hmm. and were patient with me yes um and so it's been a gradual process and healing things healing them and letting them go literally (laughs) um and giving myself the permission to be a little bit undone I'm very undone a little bit unhinged you know and I'm okay with it but there's a softness that has to be present for me to be okay with it and and I always I did an interview like a few months back and Mm -hmm talked about my soft girl era because mm-hmm. it's like no I'm really in it I I don't have all the luxuries of what a soft girl era would would give you but yeah. in my in my spirit I yeah. feel more gentle yeah. I feel a lot more um how do you say like uh supple yeah. and like willing to, a little bit um more vulnerable yeah too because that hardness that strength yeah. is protecting it's that protective yeah. layer it's that armor right. now every you know every few cycles i take a piece of my armor off mm-hmm. and i recognize like i can do that mm-hmm. and i can put it back on mm-hmm. if i need it i don't have to wear it every day all the time 24 mm-hmm. 7 every single moment of my life yeah. so it's been a gradual process and i think um it's still working i'm like i'm probably only gonna get softer which yes. is it scares me a little bit because I don't know her all that well. I don't know the soft parts of me sure, sure. all that well, to be honest, you know? Absolutely. I I really want to highlight this idea of, like, taking your time with the process, too, because I know in my own experience and just through my own healing journeys, we often want to just, like, take off running to like get to the other side of it it's uncomfortable it sucks it's ass it's whatever you just want to get to the other side and you you just like kind of choke yourself out with like healing modalities or change or whatever just to get to the other side of it when I've had to really learn to slow down and like I mean I haven't like aced this practice but I'm I'm really more cognizant now of slowing down with my process and taking my time and I always like to say like take your time because it's your time to take literally 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 it somebody else it, it's yours literally. and so reclamate there's some reclamation in that as well isn't yes there? yes yeah. taking back your time giving yourself permission to show up undone unhinged to feel a little uncomfortable to feel a little goopy if you will like I always call it like caterpillar goop before you become the butterfly like the caterpillar goes into the cocoon becomes goo and then comes out as a butterfly and it's like there's a lot more cocoon goo than there is you know butterfly stages I find and that's okay I think that's giving yourself a little bit of room to just know that like healing isn't linear time isn't linear (laughs) give yourself breathing room to let yourself show up and be and like hold yourself and that is like you just said you're like I don't know that soft girl I don't know the soft other soft parts of myself but like once you get there you'll make space for her 
to get to know her. Yeah, exactly. And, and everything that we're talking about, it just brings up so much in me. And it's like, our softness because when you when we first started it's like take us back to that the little yeah little age yeah and it's like she was soft and she was silly and she was she was so silly yeah but she had an attitude you know and then she got sick yeah and and what i became is why i'm here right now she was she became ruthless and i love that about her yeah and there it's not like even when we say like we don't know that part, it's like it's just unfamiliar. It's yeah. like it's always been there. Yeah. But we're sort of like uncloaking that part of us again. And like you brought up the safety. Yeah. So much of my life has been I need safety in order yeah. to be soft. Absolutely. I am not gonna soften up if I don't feel safe. Absolutely. And it also makes me think about again the wound care. Yeah. Like when you're healing a wound, like mm-hmm. a, a I'm talking about a big wound, yeah. it typically is deep. You have to keep going back yes. into the wound. Yes. It's not like you just slap one thing on and then you take time and it heals. Right. You have to keep going back. You have to peel Revisit. off. Yeah. thing. You have to clean it. Mm-hmm. And then you have to pack it back up. And then mm-hmm. the next day you have to do it again, mm-hmm. again, and again. And then you get a scar. Mm-hmm. And guess what? It's not done. You still have right. to stretch the scar. Right. You have to tend to the scar right. of whatever it is. So I think it's important. And I know the rhetoric goes around a lot like healing's not linear, but people really need to take that in and internalize that it's not right. There's no one modality or many modalities that's going to, to do it. It's the, it's the dedication to the self and the humanity, Mm -hmm. which is so much what I hear you speak to is like our humanity around it. Um, So it's, yeah, it evolved that, that, that like lights me up to talk about that. Yeah, it's not no one-stop shop at all. Also, you don't want to do too much. You don't want to do too many modalities, so you're going to stay right where you're at. (laughs) And I think that's a really good point. (laughs) Because if you do try to, like, choke yourself out with too many things, like, you're not really, like, there's no rush to this. There's no right way to show. That's something I'm always guiding. I'm a Reiki practitioner, and it's, like, setting the stage for safety and just permission is like there's no right or wrong way to show up in this moment like you have to do only you know what's good for you you know what I mean and getting reacquainted with that inner voice to know what's good for you and having to again revisit those wounds and revisit that to just get through it to you know to find nuances within it to become more familiar and even more flexible with yourself and I think there's a lot of um, expansion in that idea. There's a lot of expansion to that, to that existence, to our existence. And there's yeah. not one way to show up in this, you know? Exactly. There's just yeah. not. And it's, right. it's, it's very revolutionary. Yeah. No, you're good. It's very revolutionary. Everything you just described is like, that's like, it takes a lot of courage to do that. And it's definitely set apart from what many people would do. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah I think the overarching theme here has been like courage and just like power and but like also redefining what power is because we've we were talking a few weeks ago about your power and your boundary work and you're being the boundary queen (laughs) (laughs) 
I would love to hear you talk more about your boundary work and how it's evolved within your healing and then within your identity. Because oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, it finish. started, I was going to say, it started with the boundaries having to be really thick and really barbed wiry. And I remember at the age of 12 going through something not so similar, but an emotional sense. I was very hard. I was a very hardened person. I'm way softer than I was when I, I still honor that girl and shout out to 12 year old me because she allowed me to survive and be here today. But I, I really relate to your, to that, that like no one could touch you with a 10 foot pole and no one could touch me with a 10 foot pole. I wouldn't let anyone near, but I also (laughs) realized like, I just wanted love so bad. (laughs) And I just like was pushing every way, anyone away that would give it to me, but please. So starting off with this, these, this armor, how has it evolved for you? It's so funny because one of my good friends yesterday, uh-huh. she was like, I need your expertise in boundaries. Like, and we ended up getting on the call and I literally, my, what I told her was like, you know, like, yeah. you know, you don't yeah. need my advice yeah. actually. Um, even the fact that you're asking someone else about boundaries, no, right. you're telling yourself what you need. Right. So there's so many, um, there's layers to this and mm. I know a lot people can relate to this and Mm -hmm. so many of my my boundaries begetted my survival which begetted me being able to thrive in my Mm -hmm. life Mm -hmm. I didn't know what a boundary was I grew up um in a very volatile household Mm -hmm. I grew up in a very um, abusive household Mm -hmm. my siblings and my mother and I survived domestic abuse Mm -hmm. and where there's domestic abuse, there's no boundaries. It's a free for all. Yeah. And anyone could get it. Anyone could get it. So you yeah. you grow up not knowing that you're allowed to have um needs yeah. or that you're allowed to not want certain things for yourself. Yeah. And I did that for pretty much into my early twenties. I yeah. probably would just say like my surgery again, like these hallmark moments in my life really yeah. shift. And I'll never forget, and this is the story that comes to my mind when you ask me about the boundary work, because this is what kind of was the catalyst for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, After my surgery, I was experiencing a lot of, I was having my chronic pain like immediately. And my mom yeah. was like, go to a doctor to talk about it, just to talk about the pain I was experiencing every day. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I found a doctor. We start talking and um, he enlightens me to a point where I'm like, I make it. After I saw this therapist, I changed my life. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. His name was Dr. Roth. He doesn't practice anymore. He had MS. So he also had an autoimmune mm-hmm. disease. Um, but I remember I was sharing with him my relationship with my father. Mm-hmm. And I, my father has Crohn's disease. Mm-hmm. So this is a unique thing. My dad got diagnosed when he was 11 years old mm-hmm. and I got diagnosed when I was 12 um as a black man in America at 11 years old getting a chronic illness they put him on the only thing they knew to put a person on which is like prednisone and his mother um uh, my grandma sweetie was giving him Xanax when he was 11 my dad is still addicted to those Xanax today and he wreaked a lot of havoc in our lives. And I, I wouldn't say just because he was an addict. I think, you know, also because he, you know, he hurt people, hurt people in a literal sense. 
this dialogue between my, my therapist and I was really rooted around this idea that my dad had so much influence over how I cared for my Crohn's. So when I was 12, what did my dad give me? He gave me Xanax. It never worked for me, though, because my pain would just come back with vengeance. It never helped me to relax. And also when you're that little, the way your body processes things, like we could go on and on about that. Point of that is like that was a boundary crossing in and of itself, right? I had no, you have no choice when you're little. As I got older, my dad would always tell me like, you shouldn't be on medicine. Medicine is evil. Like you need to be able to do this on your own. Mm. I was a kid. I was a kid. My parents were divorced. I was, you know, you get your period. You know, all these things. You're trying to be a teacher. There's, you know, there's so much going on. I needed medicine when I was little, and I needed it because I. I believed him, you know, he had Crohn's, I was looking up to him yeah. and I would share all this with my therapist. And I think the third session, third or fourth session, mm-hmm. he, um, he said something to me. He was like, you know, I feel like you, and a lot of therapists do not do this. They would not be this candid. Mm-hmm. He was like, I feel like you're still sick because of this relationship with your dad. Mm-hmm. And my dad physically abused me into my adulthood Wow! and he would attack me at certain points and mm-hmm. he made me very nervous my dad made me very nervous mm-hmm. but one thing about me is I would always stick up for myself towards him mm-hmm. I never backed down even with the consequences I knew mm-hmm. were happening and then he would tell me how bad this medicine was but my body needed it I needed a break it had been at that point almost 10 years living with the Crohn's and I needed a break. I couldn't, couldn't do it on my own, like mm-hmm. literally. Yeah. And when my therapist said that to me, um, it did something to me. And I even thinking, reflecting on it now, yeah. um, becoming estranged from my dad was the biggest boundary I had ever set in my life. Mm-hmm. And it informed every other boundary I set after that. And this is not a promotion of become estranged from every person (laughs) but when your livelihood becomes threatened Mm -hmm. um, and your peace becomes threatened it becomes life or death and I didn't realize that I didn't realize this person was harming me because I grew up in the environment and this is just this is my dad this is a person that you know he wasn't a deadbeat the whole time he was there for I knew him and I love him yeah I started an estrangement process. That was back in 2017. Mm-hmm. It took about a year to fully get to the point where I just couldn't talk to him. Yeah. Just couldn't yeah. talk to him. And when I tell you my life started to change, I started to care about myself. I started to make my own choices because mm-hmm. this person controlled so much. When we talk about true narcissistic abuse, Mm -hmm. I'm talking like full spectrum. Mm -hmm. And he was controlling so much of me, Mm -hmm. which informed so much of my life and the things Mm -hmm. I thought I was capable of. I didn't even know who I was. Mm -hmm. And after I started doing that with my dad, my boundaries, my ability to set boundaries, like the door opened where it was like, I still had armor on, I would say. Um, but I was able to assess whether or not I would tolerate certain things. Mm-hmm. And if anything reminded me or was familiar around 
the abuse I endured in my life, yeah. the things that I was overcoming, couldn't be here, couldn't be with me. Right. And I also was believing myself for the first time because under a cycle of abuse, you start yeah. to not trust yourself. Absolutely. And so I, here I am, I'm a young woman, I'm a young adult, dealing with people, places, things, <laughs> trying to establish some type of foundation for myself. I don't even trust myself. Right. How can I even do that, right? Mm -hmm. And so my boundary work, the, the catalyst was that was the estrangement from my from my dad and I'm still estranged from him mm -hmm. and mostly because he hasn't changed now. Mm -hmm. So I want to also say that boundaries are not, um, they're not always set in stone. Boundaries are, can be flexible. Boundaries can have layers and levels. And I think, um, over time I've developed, you know, my boundary practice is very like forward and I'm, I'm like Nina Simone. There's a video of Nina Simone. She's like, if I don't like something, I say it immediately. You know, she's like, she's, and she's so firm in what she's saying. And I feel that way. I'm like, Oh, I don't like that. I, I trust my body. I trust my mind. Mm, I don't like that. And so the boundary might be just me speaking up for myself. The boundary might be, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm not going to do that. Or the boundary might, might actually shift over time. Right. So in my dating life, the boundaries are really strong. At, at first and then they ease up as as you gain my trust and all these things and I think um I'm not as rigid in my boundaries but I am still the boundary queen yes. because I I feel that way I'm like oh yeah all of my friends all of them call me because they're like so should I set a boundary here? should I set a boundary I'm like you need a boundary right there you know <laughs> that only comes from not having them and I know that's right. such a long way to answer I kind of oh. went down a little more for myself I but I I always say to myself like if my own daddy could get it any of y'all could get these boundaries like y'all not about to play in my face like nobody's gonna play in my face like and also with my health oh my god with my health if it's stressing me if it is the work or the labor that another thing like running a business like a big reason I became an entrepreneur is so I could set my own schedule. And it was a, it literally one of the biggest reasons mm -hmm. I, I started my own stuff yep. was so that I could have the boundary of like, if I need to lay down in the middle of the day yeah. because my, I'm exhausted yeah. or I'm in pain, I can do that. Absolutely. And it took a long road to get there because yeah. um, boundaries aren't just in relationships. Right. They're energetic. Absolutely. They're in how our health is. Like, so I... Yeah, I'm very passionate about boundaries yes. for sure. Yes. For sure. That made you laugh. It did. <laughs> if my own daddy can get it. Oh, okay. I know. I just, I feel so bad saying that. But me, I, I am so adamant. I'm like, I I am, it's my life. It's my life. And I only get one, allegedly. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> allegedly, right? I only get one. And if you are a threat to that, in any way, shape, or form, yeah. I definitely, I'm a little more, yeah. I'm a little more ruthless in that area, Absolutely. probably. Yeah, I, um, I was tearing up when you were talking. I was, I had tears in my eyes because it just resonates so deeply with so many that I know and just with my own personal journey. I'm also estranged from my dad and it's been eight years, seven years, eight years at this point. And like you said, it's just because they don't change and you're just 
you have to protect what you have this we were just talking earlier in another episode about this one precious life allegedly and it just really spoke to me in a very deep way and i and it did make me laugh because it's like if my own blood can get this everyone else is gonna get some of this and i just really love that and it really (laughs) it makes it so like it just makes it a beautiful thing rather than like a harming thing i find um boundaries growing up we didn't have any either we didn't we didn't have any boundaries everybody had to have everything that i had you know what i mean like i had to give everything that i had and that's just the way it was for survival and um it felt like when you would be like this is a no i can't do this it was like you're hurting them because you cut off what you give so freely all the time so it's just um it's even healing me in a way and like I'm like my 12 year old self is just like welling up inside of me and like I'm like it's coming out of my eyes to hear that like it can just be because I'm protecting what I have and it's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing to protect what you have you you, this is what you have (laughs) this is it I needed someone else I needed Dr. Roth to tell me yes actually just because this person is your family doesn't mean that you like I can just take whatever they do to me I don't he literally taught me that and I I talk about him my that therapist so often because he changed my life and it's not often that like you go to and I I only saw him for so many sessions and he he empowered me yes because I was like oh I'm allowed to like not tolerate this like I don't tolerate this right boundaries and I, I forget who said it but it's like boundaries are the the things that actually enable mm-hmm. the love mm-hmm. and and the care and relationships mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. my best relationships have, mm-hmm. have boundaries mm-hmm. literally mm-hmm. I'm like wow these people love me because yeah. they respect my boundaries <laughs> like they love me so much and it, it that is so healing right yes. um especially the grief of estrangement and the grief of of losing those that you want mm. to be there. Yeah. Um, but the, this, you know, the boundary, they on the outskirts. Right, like, right. You know. They have to be, it has to be sometimes for that, for that, for those other relationships to flourish and to show you that other people can respect. When you say like, I don't have it. They're like, that's fine. <laughs> you don't have it. I won't take it we're good and we still love each other and it's like we love each other probably even more now right yeah and they can be really light right like i think about um you and i first connected and i had to let you know like i just one day i was just so exhausted i just was like i don't have anything today and i want to show up so fully when i'm connecting and i felt so much safety and permission to just be like hey like can we do this another day? And you're like, yeah, like it's, they can also be very light, but I find a lot of people will ignore those things that come up yeah. in them and they feel obligated mm-hmm. or they don't want to disappoint mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Sometimes <laughs> we disappoint each other. Sometimes like things have to change and maybe we're not expecting it. And I find like the more I do that, yeah. the more I get kind of reinforced that actually, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I um I had a relationship or a friendship rather of someone that I looked to as like a, an older sister, 
and uh, she's taught me a lot about how to be and I've always like really appreciated her shout out to Chelsea Dobbins and um she had said to me one time we like we were talking I don't know what happened some there was a, a, dis, a disgruntlement uh, friction and she said to me which was so enlightening she's like it's okay you can be mad at me I'm okay with that like we still exist you know as friends you can be mad at me and like giving me permission to be like yeah actually that did kind of chafe my ass a little bit or whatever like whatever it was period yeah to be like yeah like I am a little mad at you and she's like that's okay you can be mad at me that's okay and I was like how thing is that mm. oh, I was like wow like thank you I'm not even mad anymore <laughs> like I was so disarmed <laughs> I was so disarmed <laughs> I love that that is so loving mm-hmm. like I I I love that for you mm-hmm. as well I feel like that is um it's like salve mm-hmm. for it was for it us. was it was such a beautiful I'm a recovering people pleaser I didn't have permission to be mad at anybody without something bad happening without something or even bad happening or even being able to, yeah. to experience exactly that or to express it yeah. exactly exactly mm-hmm. so it was so freeing in so many ways to just say like oh thank you thank you for letting me be human yeah <laughs> be mad and yeah and not going mm-hmm. and not leave me yeah. or punish me or punish me exactly it's so real um I'm feeling so much sisterhood in this space today. I feel so much like connection and I really have to just take a moment to acknowledge how powerful this conversation is and what healing work it's doing beyond just this moment. I know that it will permeate beyond just this moment and I just have to acknowledge that because there is power in this and I know you had talked about like wanting to do more speaking and there's so much power in spoken word and like showing up in this place and I'm so honored to get to be a part of that journey and like answering a like a quiet wish of yours to just do more and like people need to hear your voice and I needed to hear your voice today without even knowing like I mean I knew this was going to be beautiful and delicious and gorgeous and powerful but even now, like, I'm going to walk away from this and, like, sit out for a little, take a beat for a minute to really digest what a gorgeous conversation this has been and your wisdom. Beautiful. Yeah, I, that's why I said, I'm like, I'm sure a lot of people will be able to relate to this because yeah. I, I just recognize, like, we are not the only ones mm-hmm. and we have such a collective connection mm-hmm. and sharing our stories is healing and freeing and Mm -hmm. the further I get from those times in my life the more I want to speak to those times in my life because now I can look back and say like yeah this happened and this is what it taught me yeah and this is what it did for me and um I it's it's for anyone who maybe also is in that storm yeah currently it's like yeah you might and you might be in that storm for a minute, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. But there's like another, there's there's another side. Mm-hmm. There's other aspects of, of the journey that you, you're you just not privy to yet. Yeah. But they come. Yeah. They come eventually. Yeah. So also hope, right? Courage, yeah. hope, and that, that faith that yeah. we were speaking to. Absolutely. Sure. So much so. I um, want to give you an opportunity as we take this conversation to a close to provide any shameless plug that you have any offerings that you want to provide for the collective for the community so take it away 
Okay, so um, obviously, like you and I, we we connect on social media. So I always plug my social media: Adria Moses, A D R I A Moses, like in the Bible. Um, and I founded the School of Radical Healing in 2020. It's my baby. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot of radical healing work there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a couple offerings at the School of Radical Healing. One being our trauma-informed program, and it's really for anyone who works with people um, in the margins or mm-hmm. those most oppressed um, by current and past systems, institutions, practices. Um, people working with people should be informed. Like I am, I see a trauma-informed future. I see it. It really needs to be our current reality. Yeah. Um, but I'm doing the little bit of work that I can do to educate others, to Mm -hmm. inform others, not just from a practitioner standpoint, but Mm -hmm. from a survivor Mm -hmm. standpoint. We need to listen more Mm -hmm. to people who have lived through things. Mm -hmm. We need to listen to them because Mm -hmm. they have something you're not going to get in school. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So School of Radical Healing, you can find um, at thesorh.com, the School of Radical Healing um, on Instagram and we offer a 12 week program. Mm-hmm. We also just launched a chronic illness support group. We had our first session in November. Um, we're going to run it back in December. It's called handle with care completely free. You know, we just are connecting so we can talk about what we go through, but also we can learn a little bit of somatics, which I'm really passionate about nervous system regulation. Yeah. It's been my, um, my medicine for so long mm-hmm. It's really helped me um, maneuver and navigate my Crohn's. Mm. So those are my shameless plugs. There's some things I'm I'm preparing to to release okay. in 2024. It's taking me a little bit of time, um, but I'll definitely share that with you yes. once it's here. But really getting the words off of the internet yeah. and getting them onto some garments and some apparel so that we can wear what we believe, yes. right? Um, so I'm excited for that. And I just appreciate you for making space for me. And also, it's the space to be real. It's not just mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, you know, we type a lot, we post a lot. Mm-hmm. And I get to run my mouth in certain uh, <laughs> arenas. But it feels really, really um, cathartic to just be able to express myself, share a little bit more. Yeah about my story because I think it helps to understand where those words are coming from, right? Um, So just thank you 10 times over for, you know, thinking of me and reaching out and connecting with me. And I just, I appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you. you. I feel the same. I feel the same. It's, um, It's just the beginning and I'm excited to see things evolve and we'll continue to highlight and share your beautiful wisdom because it needs to be shared far and wide. So I really, really appreciate it. Um, all of your shameless plugs will be in our show notes. So if anyone is interested in working with Adria in any capacity, you will be able to find her information there. And with that, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. I appreciate you. I highlight you. I celebrate you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for tuning into the Take What You Need podcast, highlighting the beautiful, the effervescent, the ever-wise, Adria Moses. We are so blessed to have her in the space. It was such an incredible conversation that I will be chewing on for hours and hours to come. 
I hope that you are able to get some wisdom from this or get some knowledge, get some loving energy from the conversation with her. If you're looking to connect with Adria, all of her information will be in our show notes. And with that, I encourage you to move your body, have courage, and remember that your boundaries can be light. Take What You Need, the podcast was created by Lexi Bordeaux and Madeline Doss. Original music and production by Madeline Doss. If you enjoyed this episode, please add it to your library, follow the show, leave us a review, and send it to a friend. It's the best way to spread the healing that you just heard. I invite you to join on Patreon. Patrons of Take What You Need enjoy exclusive updates, minisodes, shoutouts on the show, Reiki sessions, and more. Go to the show notes for the link as well as all the links for our socials. This is a Bad Cat Audio Podcast. Thank you.